Hey folks, welcome to the Great Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Smith. This is where we discuss five big topics constantly. The gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training for Christians, all in relation to the truth of God's word in Genesis as the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. So what we're doing here today is we're going to be covering how this marvelous mollusk called the mimic octopus glorifies their maker. And this is going to wrap up our seven-part series here on Great Conversations called Amazing Animals. You know, I really hope that this has been encouraging and made you realize that the truth of God's Word is, is evident in everything we see around us, regardless of what the story of evolution is constantly promoting. And as we've been doing all along, we're going to give you a question to pose to your family and friends who don't know the Lord or maybe believers that you know, kind of bought into evolutionary ideas that you can use to either witness or to just open up some uh, spiritual conversations about biblical authority with those around you uh, at the end of the video. So this episode is all about this truly amazing uh, mimic octopus. It's got abilities that are so astounding that any thinking person should stop and wonder where did it come from. And my introduction to them came from an unexpected source, my, my oldest granddaughter, when she said, Papa, have you seen the mimic octopus? The reason was is she, she was so excited because I'd just been mentioning a PowerPoint presentation that I was working on featuring animals with incredible design features, highlighting, uh, you know, some of them were just incredibly difficult for evolutionists even to begin to explain. And when I mentioned squid and octopus uh, camouflage, her, her question popped out, which led me to writing, blogging, and now doing these podcasts on some of these creatures. But anyway, um, my response was, well, I, I don't think so. I didn't think I'd, I'd seen a mimic octopus. So this initiated this frantic scramble for a, for a phone and we, we got onto YouTube. And what I watched for the next minute and 49 seconds left me with my mouth open, completely blown away, and eventually led to me actually getting a saltwater aquarium and having one uh, in my own home, which I'll, which I'll talk about. It's kind of amazing what homeschoolers learn about. Anyway, you know, even the average octopus species is truly incredible, capable of all sorts of rapid color changes a, a, a chameleon could only dream of. It's it's kind of like a, a pixelated video screen. It, you know, you get all these flashes of light erupting from their skin surface, sometimes pulsating, other times creating waves of shadowy patterns and making them almost impossible to spot along the ocean floor when they when they camouflage themselves. And they're capable of texture changes to their skin. That it's it's downright eerie, which means not only can they simulate the color of objects in their surroundings, but also the shape of them to an extent. So rather than describing these creatures' sophistication and complexity the way they should be as simply a reflection of the brilliance and glory of their creator, some naturalists have attempted to explain some of their intricacies as being alien in nature. Quote, so advanced are these creatures' abilities, and yet so early do they appear in the evolutionary timeline, supposedly 296 million years ago, some evolutionary scientists have seriously suggested they perhaps had biological input from alien life forms at some point in their evolution. Amazing. Well, as amazing as regular octopus are, the mimic octopus, well, it's in a class by itself. It's the first living thing ever observed to impersonate the shape and behavior of other aquatic species along with color and texture changes. This was discovered off the, uh, in, in 1998 off the coast of the island of uh, Sulawesi, which is in Indonesia, and it's been spotted now as far as the Great Barrier Reef in, in Australia, so it might be more widespread than originally thought. 
Many of the creatures it imitates are venomous, so it kind of fools predators into thinking they are encountering a, a dangerous adversary rather than just a, a sly octopus. And the exact number of creatures it's able to mimic, it's, it's unknown, but watching video of one of these things hide its body and six legs in a hole, change the color of its two exposed arms and you know, to the distinctive black and light stripes of the banded sea snake, and then waving them in opposite directions to impersonate a, a, a serpent, it's kind of unnerving to say the least. And, and known avatars the mimic imitates includes flatfish, crabs, jellyfish, mantis shrimp, uh, stingrays, lionfish, and sand anemones. Now, the uncanny thing about these octopuses is that they seem to be able to make accurate and intelligent decisions as to what creatures they should imitate depending on the environment that they're uh, in or the predators they encounter. For example, because damselfish are hunted by banded sea snakes, mimics often adopt their snake-like form, color, and behavior when they encounter damselfish to frighten them away. When traveling across a seabed with little cover, mimics may transform their tentacles um, to look like the, the poisonous barbed fins of a lionfish and imitate its pulsing, you know, distinctive movement because it wards off predators. When considering this creature's day-to-day -day activity, you quickly realize it has several sophisticated abilities that depend on accessing and activating tremendous amounts of coded genetic information. Obviously, it's got a sensor array. It, 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 the mimic must be capable of monitoring and analyzing its current environment constantly. Um, it's got a response analysis. It must also have the ability to determine an appropriate response needed for different environments or when encountering specific predators it interacts with, i.e. if A, then B, or if X, then Y, etc. Um, it's got to have a catalog of aliases in it, right? Once a specific creature to mimic has been decided upon, it must then access other detailed files for all of the abilities, features, and behaviors of the different creatures it can possibly mimic. And it also has some kind of immediate response. The mimic systems must then correctly activate commands to alter its shape, its color, its texture, and movement, which of course requires a body that has the capability to expand or contract or become smooth or rough or rigid or soft, multi-textured, multi-colored, and or precisely patterned almost instantaneously. Now, I named my own mimic, um, got from a local pet store, Morph. All of you X-Men fans out there probably figured out why. Anyway, Morph lived for about eight months, but he exhibited some spectacular behavior and ex executed many brilliant performances during that time. We had kind of nightly light shows uh, being pretty commonplace. And although he was pretty shy for the first three days I had him, he kind of became more comfortable over time and I was able to hand feed him shrimp for his supper eventually. Now, because octopus aquariums are typically a one-species environment, because either the octopus eats whatever else is in there or else they get eaten by what is, uh, he only mimicked once and there was nothing in the tank for him to react to. When he entered the tank for the very first time, he impersonated a jellyfish and he slowly pulsed down, then switched to his regular form once he had some cover. And this made sense because when he entered the tank at the top, he had nowhere to hide. He didn't know if there were any predators in that environment. So a jellyfish made sense. Now note that his mimicry involved imitating another creature that wasn't immediately present. You know, he didn't simply blend it in the background, which leads to the question, how did he know what to do? 
Mimic octopus are only thought to live nine, nine months. The longest living octopus um, live for a maximum of five. So scientists don't believe that they're simply observing and copying other creatures' behavior. They're born with it, which means all of that programming is already present and passed on to each subsequent generation. But how could that have come about? Consider this. If a person today were to create a program and a mechanism that could perform half the functions this creature does, they would receive all of the accolades the scientific community could possibly bestow upon a human being and probably hail them as one of the most brilliant scientists on the planet. Their creation would be highly esteemed as an incredible example of intelligent design. However, despite the obvious evidence of design in nature, naturalists seem bound to evolutionary interpretations only. One evolutionary blogger from nature.com tried explaining the mimic this way. In this species, we see the evolutionary perfect storm in which a species with, with flexibility in their skin and body shape is consistently exposed to a predator-rich environment that contains toxic or venomous species such as soles, lionfish, and banded sea snakes. This combination provided... Uh, provides both the selective pressures and the opportunities to these otherwise vulnerable animals to evolve into the world's greatest masters of disguise. But that isn't an, a real explanation of anything. It, it, it's like saying, well, because evolution's true, evolution happened. But design requires a designer and programming requires a programmer. Natural selection or genetic mutations are simply not sufficient explanations for what we see in creatures like the mimic octopus and despite evolutionists concocting all these just so stories to attempt to explain you know how many how, how so many precisely coordinated and irreducibly complex mechanisms could have arisen in creatures without a designer you know for those with eyes to see the conclusion is obvious i know we've referenced these verses often in this series but i want to do so once again but ask the beasts and they will teach you the birds of the heavens and they will tell you or the bushes of the earth and they will teach you and the fish of the sea will declare to you who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. Job 12, seven to nine. You see the master designer, the God of the Bible created these along with all of the other magnificent sea creatures on day five of creation. As much as evolutionists try to mimic God's creative power through the story of evolution, creation declares its creator, even in, in an insignificant octopus. Well, I hope you enjoyed this series focusing on just a few of the incredible creations that God designed to inhabit our wondrous world, and, and that this exploration would lead to some important conversations with your unsafe family and friends. And if this is your first episode, I encourage you to go back and check out the last six episodes, as well as all the other great, uh, great conversations podcasts that we've produced. And this week's question is actually for our Christian pastors and leaders that have compromised with the story of evolution. If you can trust your immortal soul to the gospel teachings of Christ, our creator, as revealed in the book of Colossians 1.16. Why don't you trust all of them as plainly written, particularly in Genesis? 
If you're appreciating this content, visit the AnswersInGenesis.ca website, consider donating to the ministry, and of course, whatever platform you're ask, accessing this on, it most likely has some combination of features. It allows you to subscribe or like or share, perhaps do a review, and we'd really appreciate you doing the time, uh, taking the time to do so because it probably is the number one thing that you could do to help us to continue to do outreach. So until next time, I'm Cal Smith. Blessings to you and yours. Thank you.